0: What's going on, you guys? It's your Huggable Hipster here, and welcome back to the podcast, Aesthetically Techie. I hope you guys are having a wonderful day today. Today, we're going to be discussing some different topics that a lot of you need to get your brain wrapped around. I know a lot of you guys want to get more into the marketing side or just the content creation in general side, or even just know about content creation in general, kind of like the nitty gritty behind it. So I have one of my friends and a streamer that I've been watching for a while now, I think for the past year and a half, I've been watching her, Rora Pickles. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Getting you guys just integrated into the world that is content creation, or just as I like to put it, the ever so scary yet wonderful world of content creation. <laughs> so first, we're going to be going into like the business of the gaming industry as an entrepreneur, because I feel like nowadays it's really easy for us to pick up a game controller, capture ourselves playing a game, and put it online for everyone to see, but a lot of people make it seem more easy than it actually is. And I want to get your input on how you started in this industry and how you've come to realize like just how difficult it actually can be and what you think about this industry as a whole. Well,
1: when I started uh doing streaming, I, I, I was watching other streamers. And I think here's a big problem. I think a lot of people watch bigger streamers. And what I didn't know is the bigger streamers aren't the ones to watch when you're going looking into going into content creation because they've already made it. They already have it how they want. They're not the ones trying hard anymore to climb. So when I started content creation, I thought it was, oh, I'm going to flip on my camera and talk to people and play games and it'll be easy. What I didn't know was you have to think about the game you're playing, what category you're in. Um, You have to think about how interactive you're being. I didn't know you literally have to learn how to talk to yourself. And get used to (laughs) constantly having a flow and being entertaining. And I didn't know that it was such a grind and a struggle. And uh, one of the biggest things I learned starting out was don't watch the people who have thousands of viewers. Watch the people who have a hundred viewers. Those people are working the hardest. Those people are on the climb. They're figuring out what they're doing. They're figuring out what works for them. Those are the people that you need to be
0: watching and learning from. So that's actually a really strong point because it's not the people who have like 30,000 followers or 30,000 viewers who are watching them and interacting with the chat just going absolutely bazonkers. It's the people who have like maybe 75 to 100 people in their chat who are just like, okay, I'm still figuring this out. Let's switch because, you know, my camera just went out or something just crapped down in my stream and we have to figure this out together. Yes, and I think, too, the people at
1: 75 and 100 viewers around that range, those are the people who just started figuring it out for themselves. They figured out what worked for them. They figured out what game to stream or what kind of content to do. They figured out their rhythm, their uh, schedule, and it's those are the people you want to be watching. And not I, I, here's the thing, too. When I started content creation, I thought, oh, perfect, I'll just pick these different things I like about different people and emulate them. What you have to realize is that's kind of what everyone does when they start. And there's so many people who are just emulating other people. Now, there's a difference between emulating someone and being inspired by someone. And you have to develop your own personality. And I, I mean that in the realest way possible. Like, what connects you to these people? What makes you watchable? You have to ask yourself that. What will people come and watch me for? And what do I want to share about myself with the world? Because we all can kind of pick and choose what we want to share. And I think it's healthy to kind of keep parts of ourselves private. But you have to then decide what, what part of myself and how will I per- portray myself to the world? And what will I be doing? And kind of going off of asking yourself, what is my appeal? What do I think my appeal is? And what do you think other people like you for? And it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because it's a game of being liked. In essence, it's a yeah, game truly. of getting attention and being liked. And you have to... It's a really interesting game too because you learn to love yourself within that, right? So when, when I started out, I thought it was just flick it on and that was it. And I think that's where a lot of streamers and content creators feel disheartened and burnt out. Because it's not just turning it on. It's not just putting in hours in a category. It's it's about putting out content that people resonate with, identify with, being engaging, and figuring out
0: what works individually for you. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's also a matter of, in that process, You know, and I feel like we can also talk about this as well, of where, like, in that process, uh, finding your boundaries, you know, who you are as an intellectual person, who you are as as an outspoken person as well, because, you know, streaming and doing content creation means that, okay, you are putting yourself out there, and you are putting yourself out there not only so the world can judge you, but so that you can judge yourself later crying against yourself to sleep in a pillow. (laughs) Because any time, I can swear, like any time I end a stream, I sometimes like retrospect and I'm just like, okay, was that good enough? Did they enjoy it? Did I enjoy it? Will they come back later? Oh God. So there's so many thoughts that goes through a streamer's head. And the big question is, what does a streamer, and I know I have to word this correctly here um, because I don't want people to misinterpret it, but do you think that in the long run, it's okay to be cocky whenever you're streaming. Like, not to the point of where you're becoming arrogant, but to the point of where like, okay, I got this. You know, my confidence levels are high. I know what I'm doing. And a perfect example of that, I feel like, is Seti because he knows yeah. what he's doing. He's confident with his shit. He absolutely, like, cares about his audience, but he knows that boundary of when it goes too far. Yeah. Yeah, here's the thing, was it?
1: Uh, here's the thing. Um... Seti has found his space where he's comfortable, and that's something that it took me a while to find, and I, I, I assume you were watching when I found mine back in July, when I started setting boundaries with people, because as a content creator, you want to facilitate everyone being comfortable, and what that allowed for me to do was not set boundaries with people, and it's hard because you want to make everyone return. You want to make everyone happy, Right. But those boundaries are healthy for you as a content creator to set. And they need to be set. Now, SETI, he has an air of confidence, right? And I think that's what it is. It's not even, um, it's not cockiness. It's not whatever. It's confidence. And every content creator has to build that within themselves. And it does take time. But it's because every content creator has this thought of, if I set boundaries with this person, they're never going to come back. They're not going to like me. They're not going to watch my stream again. They're going to leave my community. But what I've realized is setting boundaries with people. Yeah, some people will leave, but your bond with the people that stay will be stronger. And I always say this for every two followers you lose, you're going to gain five that love you and respect you for who you are. And that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned in content creation and in being confident. When I go live, I I get in this zone and I, you know, I'm in that mode and I never know how funny I am because to me, I don't feel like I'm being funny, but then I never know how funny I am until a, I rewatch it or B, I see people's comments, for example, on a stream clip on Twitter or whatever. And like, you're hilarious. Yeah, exactly. So that feedback helps me learn and, you know, negative feedback. Sometimes and I wouldn't take it to heart all the time, but sometimes negative feedback too is good because then you can learn what to do differently
0: exactly and you know it's it's kind of trying to find that uh, that balance in a way because like we we could even you know discuss some of the streamers who kind of take it a little bit too far to the point of where they're being delusional about things because i see this often and i've actually wanted to get your opinion on this for quite a while okay. but there are so many streamers that i'm seeing of where They don't really have much of an audience, and yet they think that they're hot shit. Like, they're coming off with this air of cockiness, like, yeah, I can't do anything wrong. And they're incredibly offensive, incredibly derogatory, just everything under the sun. And I'm wondering, why do they think that they are popular when everybody knows real a lot, you know, otherwise? Here's the thing.
1: That can be a few different things. It's either a very insecure person projecting and in their mind, compensating for what they're lacking and putting out a surface level thing. Um, and it's typically not an attractive one to other people. It, it, it you know, or it's, it's people who are genuinely jerks and they're trying to grow through being an edge ward and being an asshole to people. And they think that's okay. And you know what? It works for some people, but it definitely doesn't work for everyone. um, and then it, there's also people who are just, like you said, absolutely delusional
0: who, yeah. <laughs> who, you
1: know, who do think they're hot shit. And I think a big important thing about being a content creator is to remain humble because no one's going to want to be around you if you're tiny and you act like you're huge. For example, I am I am a small streamer. I am close to becoming a partner people to call me a big streamer, like small, tiny, tiny streamers. They refer to me as a big streamer. And I've literally been cut down for that. Um, because I say I'm a small streamer and they're like, no, you aren't. And by calling yourself a small streamer, you're ungrateful. And I'm no, I'm humble. Um, look at people have 80,000 viewers. I sit around 50, 60 viewers. I am a small streamer and I'm being humble. So I think being humble is a big, important part. Humble, but confident. How about that? And I think these people who put out this image of themselves, a lot of them are maybe insecure or lacking confidence in a certain way. And they're trying to put out an image of themselves. They may see other, like SETI, they see SETI, for example, and they want to be confident, but they're overcompensating and they're acting like assholes. And then they get a little bit of following. And their head blows up. And I've, when, when <laughs> yeah. I was tiny and my friends started getting a little bit of a following, I lost friends over their head blowing up, over a tiny amount of people. And it's not a good look. You're no, not going to attract
0: people. I, you know, and that's that's the thing, too, of where, like, I, I remember whenever, uh, what was it, a friend of mine was uh, telling me, Ariel, you know, congratulations on hitting the milestone of 2,000 subscribers. You're a big YouTuber now. I was like, I, listen, bro, I'm going to stop you right there for yeah. a second. I am not a big YouTuber, first of all. 2,000 people, yeah, that's a lot of people, but in no way am I, like, a PewDiePie or a Markiplier or even a Jacksepticeye. No. I, 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 am, I am, like, on the like low part of the totem pole right now. Do I make good content? Yes, I make good content and people enjoy it, but I am not a big content creator by any means. And they were like, but that's 2000. And I was like, no, 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 just no.
1: <laughs> it's a big deal. And it's a great milestone. And I wouldn't say you're tiny, but you're a smaller growing channel. And you're on the rise, you know, so you can be confident about that. But to have a big head and be like, oh, I'm a big YouTube channel, blah, blah, blah. I think that's the attitude of smaller creators looking up. For example, I can post hey, um, this thing happened to me in stream. This person said a thing that bothered me. Or like, like for example, I'll make a post on Twitter saying, I am so sick of people saying, check DMs while I'm live. Please don't <laughs> do that. It's super distracting. And you'll have some person with 10 follow- followers go, SMH, I can't even get one viewer, let alone people asking me stuff. And it's exactly. like, <laughs> that's the attitude like, of the first starting out creators. And if if you're a new creator, and you're you're listening to this my best advice would be do not do that because you're not going to attract people and you're also not going to get advice from anyone that way
0: it's guilt tripping too it's like okay yeah like you're making me feel bad for my following when you're saying uh uh, i don't have like even one follower and you have like 20 i was like do you know how long it takes to even grow a following of like 20 people coming per live stream (laughs) it takes a long
1: time and that's not a way i'm not you're not going to get pity rates that way. Yeah. You're you're not gonna yeah. get pity followers that way. That is not a good way to grow. So to anyone out there doing that, I guess my best advice would be keep going to work, keep making good content. If you focus on what you're lacking the entire time, it's gonna it's gonna show in your content and it's not gonna attract people.
0: Yeah, exactly. And speaking of trying to show your full self within your content, that's actually a perfect migration into the next subject that we're going to be discussing, marketing. What a heck of a (laughs) world. The the wonderful world of marketing over here, of where doing it yourself and learning how to do it successfully. Because whenever you, like, whenever, you, you know, people try to do marketing who have no clue how to do marketing, It kind of, like, for the first few tries, I feel, falls flat on their face. But after a while, after you, like, see so many people doing it and doing it successfully and taking cues from other streamers, I feel like that's where people kind of, like, learn the ropes of marketing. So in your opinion, where do you think, like, do you think there's a comfort zone with marketing on on Twitch? And do you think it's different for every platform? Or do you think there's kind of, like, a general sense of how people should market themselves? It depends
1: on... What your content is, right? You're a gaming streamer. Your clips on Twitter, like, okay, for example, I went viral um, on Twitter for my clips where I'm clapping back at trolls and being confident. And I have quite a past with harassment and bullying. So I'm a fiery when it comes to trolls. So I post that on Twitter and it gets a lot of interaction. But if you're a game streamer and say you get a good headshot or whatever and you post it to Twitter, it might not move as much. I think here's one of my biggest things for marketing for me is relatability. When you when I post a video or clip, say I'm doing an impassioned speech on stream, say if someone comes in and calls me fat and I do an impassioned speech on stream about how you're small if you tear down people online, people relate to that. So they see that and then they share it and it's shareability. And one of the biggest parts about marketing is shareability. You're not going to go anywhere unless people share your stuff and you need to get people to share your stuff. So for a gaming streamer, they might have to figure out how to make their clips interesting so that people will share it. You know what I mean? So it, it's tailored to each style of content, but each platform also has its own different ways to market yourself. For example, for me, I'm going to start putting um, my Twitter videos where I talk about my thoughts and feelings onto YouTube, and that might translate in getting me more viewers. There, I don't think there's ever a comfort zone because it's the algorithms are changing. Content creation is constantly changing. It's just cyclical, it's just moving and changing and rolling around, and it's always evolving. So it's for me, Oddly enough, I treat algorithms and marketing like a fun game. I could talk about it forever, but I love figuring out algorithms and I'm constantly experimenting with what works. What time of day do I post? You know, you know, for example, clickbait titles. Your titles are so important in how you title something. If it's a paragraph long caption on a video or a post, no one's going to read it. People's attention span on the internet, you have three seconds of someone's attention with a video or a clip or whatever on on your marketing before you lose that person. So you need to grab their attention immediately. That's why when you post a video and for example, say there's a joke and there's a lead up to the joke, never show the lead up because you're going to get everyone click away. The people that are only going to watch that video then are going to be people already follow you. So you have to almost think outside the box and think, how can I appeal people from the outside looking in. And marketing is never a comfort zone. I think it, I think the best way people should look at it is, is ex, it, it's experimental. And don't be upset or mad at yourself if a thing you try doesn't work. Just keep trying. Exactly.
0: It's trial and error constantly. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that's the thing where a lot of people... I feel like that's why a lot of people quit early because they see if one thing doesn't work out, they get so down on themselves. And I you know, that's one thing I was, you know, actually learning through YouTube of where there were so many different styles that I tried and so many different things that I experimented with before I finally got my niche and what I really wanted to do on there. And I feel like people don't even make it that far when it comes to YouTube versus Twitch, because a lot of the time when you're doing live streams, they get deleted after forty five days, sometimes and for partnering. I think they're left up longer. But for a lot of the time on YouTube, a lot of your past mistakes are just left up on there. So videos of where I'm being cringeworthy, showing somebody how to markiplier, how to be like Markiplier, that's up there forever. (laughs) So I, I I
1: have a great suggestion for you. You should do a video where you're reacting to your old videos. Oh, Jesus Christ. It would be so <laughs> funny and so good. I think people would like it. Anyways, that was off
0: topic. I'm no, no, it's not off topic because it's like it's one of those situations of where like if I look at that, I will be able to stop telling myself to shut up.
1: Oh, yeah. Like even my streams from a year ago, it's like that. But I think like what you said is so accurate because people see something that may not work for them or that they tried and didn't work. They're, they're a failure. I'm a failure. I tried something didn't work. Look at it this way. If you failed, you learned a thing. You are now farther ahead than you were before you tried that thing. Don't be hard on yourself. Failure in content creation, as long as you know you're not hurting anyone or you yeah, know what I mean, being toxic. Exactly. Failure in content creation is progress. And I think another big piece of advice I'm gonna give, and the irony of this is you'll say, a big piece of advice I'm going to give is take everyone's advice with a grain of salt. One of the things that hurt me when I first started doing content creation was taking someone's advice as if they do everything. And that can be harmful because there's streamers out there giving advice saying, stream in a small game category, sign on and grind 12 hours a day and you'll grow. <laughs> and it's very unhealthy. I've seen personal friends do that and burn out in their mental health tank. So by all means, please take people's advice that they give you with a grain of salt. And I'm saying that myself. Pick and choose. Like I said to you before we started recording this, I take streamer advice from people like I, like I um, look at recipes online. When I want to make a recipe, I look up 10 different recipes and then pick and choose the things from each recipe I like to make my own recipe. That's what you need to do when you're either researching content or listening to people's advice. Don't take it that seriously. Pick and choose what you want out of that advice or what you want out of other people's content to make what's unique to you because what works for someone else may not work for you.
0: Exactly. And it's, it's funny because I had one person, uh, messaged me. I believe this was like a year or so ago. And they were like, do you have to have a certain aesthetic whenever you are a streamer or a YouTuber, whatever it may be, or a content creator? And I said, you can. I mean, it'll definitely set yourself apart. But marketing wise, like you should be building on your content. Don't worry about your aesthetic. Like that actually comes as a natural flow, in my opinion.
1: And that's something the aesthetic follows. When you develop who you are as a streamer, the aesthetic follows. Here's the thing. I'm going to be honest. I used to do cam girl work when my last relationship failed to survive. So, when I first started Twitch, I was one of those girls that thought I'm cute. If I turn on a camera, people will talk to me. (laughs) No, that's not how it works. You have to have something that people will come back for. Sure, being a pretty girl will get, and that's why when men say that pretty girls do better, it's not true because. It'll get you clicks, sure, it'll get initialized on you, but viewer retaining, not so much. You have to retain that viewership. You got to get people coming back. You've got to put content out there that people will appreciate and like. In the same like for the aesthetics, I used to think, "Oh, if I have a cute background in my stream, people will for sure click and hang out." That's not what I'm looking at when I'm going through uh streams trying to find a streamer I want to watch. That the aesthetic is something that comes as you develop your stream. And I still don't even know if I have an aesthetic. Like I'm such a strange person because I'm outdoorsy, but I'm, I, you know, I dress like a hip, So I don't have an aesthetic. I'm just me. And I think that's what my aesthetic is, is just being me. And I think focusing on little things like what your stream looks like. Or for example, here's another one. People think having equipment is going to make you a big or good streamer.
0: No. <laughs>
1: for example, I, all the stuff I have, I used to have a scuffed set I used to have a half broken TV and a crappy computer with a wireless mouse and keyboard that was horrible. I got all this donated to me. And for whatever reason, when I got all that donated to me, people th- immediately assumed I was successful because I had a nice setup. So I'll say this for everyone out there, just because someone has a nice setup does not mean they're successful. And do not assume you will become successful if you buy the best microphone, the best PC, the best this and that your content comes first. The most important thing you need is your brain, your voice, and your ideas
0: exactly I couldn't have said any better that's so spot on because anytime that um, I, I see people looking at their aesthetic and see like oh you know they, they have a, a cute setup and everything like that and they work so much harder on their setup and what the appearance and the aesthetic and the kind of like the visual the visualization is mm. that their stream just turns out to be shit like I watched this one streamer really cute setup everything was so on points like the keyboard everything matched and I was like this is so aesthetically pleasing she barely talked to chat she barely just interacted with anyone and she just sat there like maybe for a good two and a half minutes not even playing the game just staring at a, street, at a screen and i was like um okay well this was kind of a letdown well yeah because okay if you want a cute setup do it
1: for you because it's a space you like being in you're going to spend time in that space do it But if you do not have the money, do not scrounge for cash to buy yourself a light-up keyboard or lights for your background or whatever, because that's not what people are there for. They're there for you. I'm not clicking around on Twitch looking for cute lights. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. It's like, oh, look, there's pizza lights over there. I'm going to click on that shit right now. (laughs) Exactly. You
1: know, so develop who you are and build a space you're comfortable being in no one cares what your background looks like unless you're sitting at a dump.
0: <laughs> and even yeah, that, yeah. that would
1: be hilarious, actually. <laughs> It's like a ghetto
0: streaming one hundred and one. It doesn't matter what your setup is. Like a dumpster fire behind me, it'd actually be hilarious. So, like yeah, exactly, <laughs> like a literal dumpster fire. Exactly. So you know, actually, you know, it's kind of interesting because you know this entire thing. You know, it makes me kind of look back on where where I started because you know whenever we have conversations like this or whenever conversations emerge like this, just in general, it makes me think how far. I've worked in order to come to where I am because you know, I don't know if I told you this, but I know that some of the people who might be listening to this podcast who follow me know this about me. Um, whenever I first started doing YouTube, I was like, you know what? I started like on a crap top <laughs> from college. I started like on this really bad laptop, holding a microphone, didn't have a microphone stand, started in the dorm room yeah. and was the first video that I ever came out with was a faceless video of Five Nights at Freddy's Four and i was like okay let's try to do this somewhat successfully as the time went on you know my parents were like we really see that you're going in a really great direction with this and we want to help and we want to you know invest in what you're doing i was like oh my god this is amazing so i was gifted a computer i think it was like what a year year and a half ago almost 2 years now i was gifted my first computer which i'm still using till today and i Upgraded for every like now and again with like different graphics card, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And as the time went on, I was like, okay, I, I actually feel like more confident in doing this. I was able to upgrade more. And I noticed that my aesthetic <laughs> leaned more towards the white silver kind of look and everything like that. Yeah. So I upgraded everything and it came to a point of where. their their influence, they were like, okay, we're going to give you now just, you know, all this emotional support, this love, which, by the way, if my parents are hearing this, thank you so much, that is the most important thing you can give to your child is the support And love and genuine like just compassion for what they're doing and not being like oh you know we you know we don't think this will go anywhere but really giving your child that emotional support if there are any parents listening that is the most important thing that you can give them whenever like forget the marketing forget anything of that sort when you're even if your kid is like 24 like and you don't and you expect them to move out in their 20s but you're still helping them that is the most important thing because i'll be straight up with you guys right now like before i started content creation or even like during it a little bit not really that heavy into it yet i almost was homeless with my family before i moved up to where i am right now Wow! and little by little you get into this space of where nothing can stop you yep and that's the most important part about content creation. So as I started growing, I was like, okay, I can invest in this now. And the most important part that you guys have to realize is that as you're growing, it's a slow progress of where you can slowly update your mouse, your keyboard, yep. your mic, your this, your that. And now I can freely say, oh, I want to review this microphone. And I can just like easily buy a 48 hour microphone from Razer. That's sponsored, by the way. where I could just like easily buy a $40 microphone, review it. And now I have a setup that I never thought I would have in a million years because not only did I pay for most of it, but my parents were like, let's give you this startup so you can feel confident in what you are doing. Just a little like story time for you guys. Well, exactly. And it's also you can look back and
1: go, for example, you'll see a photo of your setup a year prior and be like, holy crap, look at how far I've come. You know, appreciating. I think people focus so much on what they want to be that they don't enjoy the little steps along the way, the little growth, the little, oh, I got this new thing. Oh, I got that new thing. Oh, look at, look at, I'm doing this new thing with my stream. you know. So it's good to look back and remind yourself of how far you've come because it's so easy to look at other people and be like, I want to be that instead of appreciating your specific journey.
0: Exactly. And it was one of the most wholesome things ever that I got to do actually this past few months ago was I built, like, I don't know if you saw the picture of the setup that I took on um, on Instagram or anything like that, but I... Was able to build an entire like de- like full on desk with my dad, and uh-huh. he showed me how to do the woodworking for it and all that kind of stuff. And we built an, like an entire huge desk that I'm like so proud to say that hey, I built this with my dad. This is my streaming YouTube desk right now, and this will forever be a cherished thing. And I feel like not too many people get to have that moment of where they are literally building something from the ground up and saying hey. This is mine. Or if they do, they like. I feel like sometimes people take the little things for granted too much.
1: Well, yeah, I think it, it's so easy too to look beyond the little things and focus on things that are bigger and not appreciate it. Oh, I see your desk. By the way, I'm on your Instagram. I just, <laughs> um, but it's it's so easy to just let those things be oversights. But those are all getting something new or being able to afford a thing or someone you know gifting you a thing. Those are all achievements. And I think it's so easy to look past those achievements. And we really need to appreciate each and every step. And also, we need to not let those, excuse me, those achievements give us an ego. There Again, like we talked about earlier, there's a difference between ego and confidence. And confidence through your achievements is great, but ego is not.
0: No, not none whatsoever. I no. mean, you know, you can feel confident with what you're doing, but you can't let it get to a point of where you oversee the things that you've achieved and the importance that they have given you through your life. Like, you know, like I, I can go right now on my Twitter and easily post, "Hey, I'm gonna do a review article on this game. Let me know what you guys want to see about it," and taking that kind of thing for granted taking that kind of accessibility to people of where you can just have people in a snap come to your tweets you can't take that for that kind of thing for granted
1: no you can't at all and i think too like like i'm going to back up for a second and just touch on being humble i think being humble is good because there's always room for improvement content creation is an ever evolving thing and there, it doesn't matter if you have 80,000 viewers, there's still always room for improvement or change. And, you know, for example, I can look at a content creator from a year ago that had 40,000 and now they have 80,000 viewers and you look at their content then and now it's improved, it's different. So no matter where you are in your growth, remain humble because you're going to hinder growth. It, it does not foster more growth by being overly cocky either. So
0: Exactly. And, you know, actually, I don't know how we're managing to do it, but we're like segmenting, like segueing rather into each topic very seamlessly, I might add. Of <laughs> so, the next thing that we're going to be discussing going in that direction is staying in one's lane. Um, we and Laura have had. Uh, private conversations uh, last night and tonight about certain things I was going through. For those of you who know, you know, I don't need to reiterate it, yeah. but I want to be able to touch on this because I feel like it's so important during the period of one streaming career or YouTube career about staying in your lane, yeah. <laughs> staying in that little comfort zone, not just comfort zone, I would say, staying in that that place that you know you're not going to cause shit. <laughs> yeah, I think...
1: I I think what you mean by staying in your lane is who is, is just being careful, is looking is yes. at the responsibility of your social media platform because you do, it, in streaming, it's important to have social medias to market yourself. And within having those social medias, they grow. And within that is responsibility you have, and you have responsibility to not harm people. And on social media, these days, people are offended easily. And you know what? A lot of it, rightfully so. There's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of change happening in the world. And I think all that change is fantastic. But I think we as content creators need to be so careful about our responsibility and our platform about what we talk about. It is so much easier. Say if you have an opinion, like, okay, for example, say if I have an opinion on a topic and I want to post that opinion and I know like it, you know, it's unpopular or controversial or something. I err on the side of not posting it because that opinion, A, could either come back to harm me, that opinion could hurt someone, or it's not going to be good for my mental health because the responses I'm going to get are not going to be good. On this day and age in social media, we can have things that we put out there spun against us. Even things we say live, clipped out of context and posted on social media where it creates outrage. So be so careful with the person you're putting out there because that reflects you as a person. So, for example, my Twitter, I post recipes, I post funny stuff, I post my thoughts about mental health, stuff like that, but I always make sure that I'm being so careful with what I'm saying so I'm not hurting anyone. But also, honestly, so people can't find a reason to attack me and tear me down. And I think avoiding those social situations where people are arguing back and forth on Twitter is paramount to your mental health and content creation. Because if you spend your time in Twitter battles, you're not going to be solid enough to be able to keep making your content. And you have to preserve your mental health. Also, I'm going to be real. I have sponsors. I have a manager. And if I'm in constant Twitter wars, I'm not going to make money. So that's
0: another aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you want to be in tip-top shape, like you said, mentally, physically, because mentality affects your physicality. A little little psychology note for you guys who might be interested, every time that you are sleep-deprived, you are food-deprived especially, your neurons eat itself. That's It's something scientific that's known of where your neurons and the neural pathways inside your brain have this connection, the synapses that go back and forth with one another, sharing and processing information. If you are not at your tip top shape and you are sleep deprived, you're not eating well, you're not doing things that are good for you. You're basically <laughs> becoming an internal zombie and you are eating yourself away.
1: Yes. And I used to be that way. And I would spend, sit up all night arguing on Twitter or doom scrolling on Twitter even. And I, or for example, I would not eat breakfast. Here's a big tip that I have for people. Don't get on Twitter as soon as you wake up or your social media. Start your day with healthy activities like waking up and eating. Because what happens is when you go on social media, first thing in the morning, you can forget to take care of yourself or at night, for example, right before bed is another rule I have because you can forget to go to bed or forget to eat in the morning, whatever it is, but it also sets the narrative for the day. It's now someone else's narrative and not your day. When you look at social media and you're involving yourself in other people's posts, you're now starting your day reading about other people. You need to start your own story for your day. You need to get your mind and your rhythm before you get onto social media. And it's it's so easy. To get lost in it and not preserve your mental health, but it, it burnout is real and it's happened to me so many times. And I I was approved to apply for partner last July, but I burnt out because as you saw, I had to set a bunch of boundaries and I took time off. And because of that, I am not a partner right now, and I have less viewers than I did. That said, I did shift my content from what was a little bit more controversial. Now, what is easier for me to do? I'm streaming more and I'm organically growing and my the people who have been finding me Stick around a lot longer, so
0: it was for the best. and That's actually the same of what happened to my content too, because I used to do a lot of drama related stuff every Friday. I would talk about like stuff with YouTube, stuff with like u- different YouTubers, and something like that. Like I had to stop doing that and rebrand, do like a soft rebrand yep. in a way because it just wasn't. I didn't want people coming onto my comment section and twisting my words out of context from what I originally meant, even though they can see it in the damn video. But I digress. (laughs) Yeah. So anytime that I see people now who are trying to be on the journey for clout, I I see so many people doing it the wrong way because they're not being genuine to themselves or staying Staying in your lane isn't a bad thing either, because when you're staying in your lane and you're doing things that are meant for you and your community, then you're doing the healthy thing by preserving not only your mental health, but you are making it known that, hey, this is what I'm about. I'm not about the drama, not about this, not about that. I am about these topics that I talk about. For exactly. me, will I, will I talk about BTS a lot of the time on my Twitter? Yes, I will, because I love K-pop. I love anime. I love being able to take nature photography and everything like that. And will I talk about Patreon? Yeah, of course. But that's staying in your lane. You're talking about the things that are healthy for you and your community. And it's organic to you. I think...
1: What's important is to do something that's organically to you. Now, you know, obviously reaching out and branching out and trying new things is one thing or talking to new creators or m- meeting people, whatever, which you should also be careful with. But I think, for ex- for example, for me, cooking, outdoors, comedy, those are things that are organic to me. Seti. him spilling the tea is very organic to him. So for him, that's <laughs> yeah. something healthy to him, right? What may yeah. be healthy for someone may not be healthy for you. So exactly. don't, don't. Place standards on yourself based on what you see around you. Place standards on yourself for what is healthy and comfortable for you.
0: Yeah, like not too many people can really talk about the psychology behind something because... A lot of people, and I see this so much, will get a lot of the uh, terminology <laughs> mixed up and give uh, something a mental health like, definition or name that it's not supposed to be placed. And I, there are so many times when I want to just go in and be like, the, 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 you're not supposed to say multiple personality disorder. It's supposed to be disassociative identity disorder, and yep. people miss that up so much. So,
1: <laughs> Well, and that's another thing. I talk about mental health very frequently, but what I don't do is give people mental health advice because I'm not qualified. And there's so many people, content creators who do the mental health thing, who they act like experts when they're not Uh, what I do. Crazy. Yeah. Same. It's so scary (laughs) too. like, it is not a good thing. You are not a professional. No one that is not qualified should be giving advice or helping people. But it's for me, for example, with um, marketing stuff like that, Now what I do, which is the healthy thing, is I say, this is what worked for me. It may not work for you. With mental health, I say, this is my experience and this is what has helped me. But every single person is different and you should probably see a professional. So if I do a mental health stream and I'm talking and people say, I'm going through this thing. What's your opinion? I say, I can't give you direct advice, but I can tell you what I did in that situation. That is the way I, and I don't use... Terms. I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, you just have to be so careful. And there's so much that for every one person giving good information, there's 10 bad.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You have to be
1: so careful absorbing.
0: And, And that's the thing, too, of where like there will be people who ask me, Ariel, you have a degree. Like, can you help me with mental health advice? And I said, I am not a licensed therapist yet. I may be going for my master's at some point, but I am not qualified to give you any information about this. I can send you links. I can send you articles. I can give you references to mental health professionals who I have the utmost respect for, but I cannot give you uh, mental health advice personally, because number one, there's a liability issue. You run into that constantly because people think, oh, I know this, so I can give this advice to people. Wrong. You need to be able to understand that if this person takes your advice, and I need you guys to really listen in on this. If someone takes your advice that you said, let's say, for example someone went through a bad relationship, right? And they broke up with this person and they feel sad. Their depression came back and they're feeling anxious on top of it. And they ask you, what would you do? The person gives them advice. It didn't work. Oh. And now the other person gets pissed off and they're storming and they go to a mental health professional and they say, well, this and this person gave me advice. What should I do? You could get sued. You could get put into jail, worst case scenario. So it's never a good idea to give someone mental health advice where it's not warranted. Just protect yourself and say, hey, this is a liability. I can't do this.
1: Well, yeah. And also, you could be responsible for someone's self-harm.
0: You know, Exactly.
1: When I was younger, I I used to take advice from my friends all the time. And I'm not going to lie to you. All of that advice led me in bad places. What works for someone may not work for you. And that is something that you have to keep into consideration when seeking advice or Things out from people. I, I I tend to err on the side of if someone's not a mental health professional, but I see them giving direct advice to people. I don't listen to those people because they're clearly. A lot of people do it because they care, but they clearly aren't thinking about people, and they they think that their way is the way, and that's not how it works. It's so different for every single person.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? We managed to do it again. We covered a topic just by literally segueing into it perfectly again. So, you know, this should just be like the name of this podcast should just be segueing perfectly into topics. Hashtag? No. Okay. The cozy segue. <laughs> the cozy. You know what? I like that much better. Mine was too long. Uh, so, the next one that we're going to be talking about is more of just a, an advice from your own experience standpoint of if you see someone and they're like, oh, I really want to get into streaming and I want to do it full-time. What advice would you give that person for any potential streamer out there?
1: Uh, Okay, so if they want to start streaming and they want to do it full-time, my best advice would be, don't look at full-time as like the mark of success because I am a streamer's equivalent of a starving artist right now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and, And I guess my best advice would be, Don't be the guy who sold his mattress to go full-time streaming either. (laughs) Take your time. Ease into it. Do what's comfortable for you. Don't dive into this head first. Ease your way into it Find and figure out what schedule works for you, how often you should be streaming. Because full-time streaming to me means streaming four days a week. Full-time streaming to someone else means streaming six days a week. So you got to find your definition of what full-time streaming is. And you have to make sure you're financially sound enough or in a comfortable enough place to stream full-time because you cannot let the rest of your life go by the wayside because you want to become a full-time streamer. It is something that kind of happens. And eventually you're like, oh, look, I'm full-time. That's what it is. And if you want to get into streaming, my best advice would be, Be okay with the trial and error. For example, my partner, Charles, he's getting into streaming and I gave him some advice. He wanted everything to be perfect and ready to go. It's never going to be perfect. Even once you figure it out, you need to accept that it's going to be a piece of, like something that's a work in progress and you just need to be okay with turning it on, figuring it out. Every single time you in stream, you're going to know something more than you did last. So be patient, enjoy the nuances of learning and growth don't look at the finish line because if you look at the finish line, you're never going to get there. You're going to be setting that goalpost further and further back for yourself. You're going to be setting something that's unreachable. It goes the same for mental health. When I was you know, dealing with my mental illness and I was trying to get better, I was looking at that goalpost going, why am I not happy? Why am I not happy? And it wasn't until I appreciated the nuances of personal growth that I actually became happy. So that goes for content creation as well. You have to appreciate the nuances of all the little growth and then you'll feel like you're actually accomplishing something.
0: Exactly. And that even goes back to what we were talking about before with like, you know, your setup and everything like that, enjoying the little things, being humble about how far you're growing and how far you you even make it like within a day because every day it's a slow and steady progress towards where you eventually want to be because that's why people compare themselves to other streamers or youtubers or anything like that because everybody's journey is different
1: yeah so different and comparing yourself to someone else is going to tear you apart i have a good friend right now who's a streamer who's taking time away from streaming because he is having a hard time with looking at other people and comparing themselves to them. What is he doing? He's getting therapy. And it was hard because in the midst of his crisis, he went into one of my streams and I was being gifted a shit ton of subs. And I saw him in my stream and I immediately felt so guilty. Granted, not I shouldn't have to. I, you know, I just love my friend and I know what they're going through and I know how much hard that must have been. So it, don't look at other people and see their successes as your failures because you're all so different. Your journey is so different. For example, I see streamers at my level with over a thousand subs. Am I going to go, why don't I have a thousand subs? No, I'm going to go, I'm glad I have this amount of subs. and Because again, that will show through in your content. If you focus on what you're lacking, you're never going to fill that void. You need to focus on yourself and what you think you need and what what makes your soul happy. Well, and I have an interesting thing too, because... You're not that much younger than me. What you're five years younger than me. Yeah. So you're still within like the range of us being from the same era. And when I I was into computer hardware and computer building, and I went into an A plus certification class in my high school. I tested into it. I was the only girl out of 18 guys. And it, it either went two ways. Either I got picked on constantly or every guy wouldn't let me learn how to do a thing they just gave me the answers so i Jeez. left that class bitter at half the class and the other half didn't let me learn on my own so i learned next to nothing and the idea like it was such a big deal i made it in the school paper for being the first girl to test into that and like wow times of bobby like that this was back in 2004 i was class of 06 so this is a long time ago now but it's something that is definitely changing over time. More and more women are accepted into these realms. But, you know, and also, you know, LGBT people, trans, you know, uh, you know, even black people, people of color, you know, that wasn't a widely accepted thing. Like, I remember in high school, there was this black kid who was into anime and he got picked on for it. And it's just those norms are changing now. But it still happens for everyone.
0: It's such a gate-kept thing, and it shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't. And that's the thing of where we're seeing all of these different things changing so much for the better that I feel like... Also, I want to point out, by the way, 06 is when I went into high school, so holla. (laughs) Um, I actually was so fortunate enough to make it out of high school with one friend who actually got it and see everyone else go about kind of a bigoted route because everybody I I, like I don't know how it was for you in high school but mostly everybody who was either judgmental or bigoted or unkind or anything like that kept those mentalities throughout the rest of their life yes absolutely and if those like if those things aren't challenged
1: it it, it's never going to change um and people sit in echo chambers. It happens to everyone. It's a natural thing. We gravitate to each other and to people who agree. But I think it is necessary to expose yourself to others that... That's why... Okay, that's why I'm not a fan of cancel culture. Like, granted, if someone's a horrible person, they don't deserve a platform. If they're hurting people, they don't deserve a platform. But with that said, I think the way things have kind of shifted these days um, doesn't... Like, for example shunning or shaming someone because they don't agree with your views unless they're a bigot or a horrible person i think we should listen to each other and here's why if i don't open dialogue with someone who doesn't think women should be video gamers then they're never going to learn my point of view and i have changed a lot of people's minds just by not screaming at them or hating them because they didn't agree with me i think dialogue is so important especially in the gaming and content creation industry, because granted, I may not change that person's mind. That person surely ain't going to change my mind. But having that dialogue may make that person more open to talking to more people who don't agree with them in the future, and they may be more open to learning. So it, it, it kind of breaking down those echo chambers a bit here and there and that it, it, it does help. Now, granted, if you don't want to talk to someone because they don't agree with you, that's fine, you know, but I'm just saying dialogue with people that don't necessarily agree with you is healthy. And my community is one of very different people. I'm very accepting of all walks of life. And what I love seeing is when my discord community hangs out and there's 15 people in there on video, they're all so different. And I have a no-debates rule because of that, though. You know what I mean? So, But it's cool because my community is very anti-echo chamber, and it's great seeing people learn from each other. And I think that the future of gaming is of one where everyone's accepted, and we're kind of heading in the right direction. So it, just, it takes time. For example, Cyberpunk tried, but they fucked up a little here and there, and they need room to learn. And I have a whole theory about that. Basically, they're like, this is going to be the game where we finally going to be inclusive so they set this standard of we're going to be the game the game for everyone and then they didn't include gender neutral pronouns and stuff like that you know where the little mistakes well it's a big mistake but you know what i mean right like it's an oversight but that made they they created such a high standard for themselves that it was such a big letdown and hurt so many people
0: Yeah, and that's something that I noticed of where, like, you know, um, what was it? Uh, There was there's one streamer that I watch who was saying, you know, don't be an SJW and go into people's stream. And for people who don't know, I actually just learned about this term myself. So for those who don't know, it's a social justice warrior. Don't be a social justice warrior and go into people's streams and call them transphobic. And he's a friend of mine. And he and I completely agree with that, you know, just because you're playing a game you know, don't do that to people and mess up the enjoyment that they're having for it. And I commented on that and I, you know, I have this genuine kind of nervousness about playing Cyberpunk 2077 on my channel because I don't want people to think that I am transphobic or anything like that. At the end of the day, I don't need people to be my friends. If they want to have the opinion that they do, that's fine. But you know, I actually got a comment back from someone who is transgender and she said, just because you play this game does not make you trans Phobic. No. The fact that you want to bring light to what is going on in the game and the misrepresentation that could be happening, that's all that we can ask for. Yes, and that's something I discuss
1: all the time. I'm also, I'm bisexual, so I'm queer, and I don't have a problem with the game, but I am not trans, so I can't say what's wrong with the game in that matter. But I, I have a few trans members of my community. None of them have a problem with the game. That said, I know the game hurts people. I saw someone on the internet say, until Cyberpunk apologizes for what they've done and makes the game free for everyone, I'm not playing it. And Mm -hmm. everyone was just laughing. Like, A, the game's never going to be free. B, they should apologize. But it's just, oh, they said, Cyberpunk is the most harmful thing for LGBTQ people ever. That is not true. (laughs) There's so many things that are way more harmful. So again, I do agree that they, they should, they fucked up a bit, but that said, should I, boy, am I going to boycott the game? No, I think people shouldn't have to, you know, cease enjoyment for something just because that, the. thing made mistakes or whatever it is i you know i there was a person involved with cyberpunk particularly who isn't anymore that did something bad but they're not involved anymore um people have a right to not like it people have a right to boycott it but i think going into a streamer's channel and calling them transphobic because they're playing a game when you know what they may not even know what's going on exactly they're just doing <laughs> it because of the hype yes and it, well that's the thing too um there's so many trends let, let me go into that for a second okay so i was streaming on thanksgiving roasting a american thanksgiving i was roasting a turkey um smoking it on the fire or whatever and i had someone come into my chat and said oh, i love seeing people celebrate the indigenous genocide blah blah, blah. Oh, i so i'm not a holiday person i don't care for them i just wanted an excuse to make a fucking turkey yeah same <laughs> <laughs> like i actually hate the idea of thanksgiving i have constantly spoke about it being genocide but that person came into my chat while i was live killed the mood and attacked me because I was celebrating Thanksgiving. And it's like, I I don't I don't talk about this, but I do a lot for local Indigenous charities and the homeless around here. And I don't talk about it because I don't want to see him as bragging. So like I explain that to them on stream that I care or whatever. And they're like, yeah, we're right, you're just saying this. So let me segue into this. Things like BLM were a trend for a lot of people. Things like this game is transphobic is a trend for people. When Trump wouldn't denounce white supremacy, it was a trend on Twitter for people to say, I denounce white supremacy. You know what? There's a lot of people who join in on those trends who do genuinely care. But a lot of people join in on those trends, A, for clout, B, for engagement, and C, because they feel like if they don't, people are going to come at them for it. Exactly. So, this thing with cyberpunk, there's a lot of people who genuinely are hurt by it. That is so valid. But there's a lot of people who are just following trends. And once the heat of this goes away, it's going to simmer down just like and you everything. You ever else. hear from them again? Yes. And that's why it sucks though, too, with the whole, uh, the BLM thing back in May was I was so afraid to speak up about it. I ended up doing it and doing a charity and all that. But I was so afraid because I saw people who I knew for a fact clearly didn't give a fuck doing it just for clout. And that is disgusting. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and, and it's it's kind of interesting too that you bring this up because there was, I don't know if there was a, a trend that, you know, was seen by the streaming community. It was very like low key, which, you know, was kind of heartbreaking to me. But a lot of uh, people, there was a trend going around about Jewish people and I chimed in on it because for me, in my background, I am Jewish. Yes. I was raised in a household where we celebrated Shabbat every Friday celebrate Passover and Hanukkah actually tonight is the first night of Hanukkah when this okay. is coming out this, this is this true won't <laughs> be coming out until tomorrow but you know it's the first night of Hanukkah and I got so many people saying that oh you should have died with the Holocaust you should have done this you should have uh, done that and it's like I may be an atheist I will come out straight away and say that But I am born Jewish and I will die Jewish just because I do not like religion and don't want to take any part of it does not make my identity as a Jewish woman any less. And that's when I had, you know, I had to really bring that home to someone.
1: Oh, you're valid. You know what? You're so valid. Also, it was. Here's the funny thing: I had a couple Jewish friends growing up, and I thought their holiday was cooler than mine. (laughs) I mean, we got the best food. (laughs) Yeah, the best food, and also like gifts every night for seven days. I was like, I, I want that. That's way cooler. But um, I'm, I'm also atheist. I'm not religious. Um, and I don't see why you being an atheist makes your cultural heritage any less valid. You're still a Jewish person. You were raised that yeah, way. That exactly. cultural piece of you is still there just because you don't believe in the religious aspects doesn't take your heritage away. That doesn't exactly. whitewash you.
0: Yeah, and and my mom was was actually telling me this last night. She was like, don't ever tell people that you are mixed, which technically I am, because then people will immediately assume that you're talking about someone who is white mixed with black heritage, Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. because
0: that's not the case. Not everybody who comes from that background is just talking about white mixed with black. They can also be Israeli mixed with white, because my background, not too many people know this, but my mom's side of the family, I'm 50% Irish, Celtic-Irish, to be exact. Oh, really? There's, cool. Yeah, there's, there's some Scottish in there mixed in, too, but it's, it's very minute to an extent. And then on my dad's side is Israeli, Kurdish, Moroccan, French, and Egyptian.
1: See, that's and, so fascinating to me because there's so many white people that are like I'm Polish, English, Irish, Portuguese, <laughs> German, <laughs> Swedish. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, exactly. It's, like, exactly. It's interesting and, to have a cool, like an interesting heritage like that that's rich.
0: Yeah, and it it was one of those things of where like, I never thought of myself as mixed before, because I only thought it associated to being mixed with white and African American heritage. I never thought of it to that extent. So when my mom was telling me that she's like, Oh, don't tell anybody that because then you'll pick up I was somebody else. And I'm like, you know what? I will gladly pick that fight any day because I know that that my, her- that my heritage I am a mud. okay? I am mixed throughout. And when people bring up, you know, like the st- the person did with, you know, the turkey and everything like that. There yeah. is an American Thanksgiving and there is a, a Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah. Both are equally valid. Even though one is completely filled with genocide.
1: <laughs> well, the Canadian Thanksgiving is also one of genocide, but it's a bit different. The principles are a bit different in Canada. That said, there is a huge issue with racism towards Indigenous people here. Exactly. But, you know what? What people don't know about me? I'm Portuguese. I am oh, really? mostly Portuguese. Yes, Portuguese people actually have light hair and light eyes. A lot of them. My great-grandparents were Portuguese royalty. I'm I have I'm Portuguese and Polish, so that's where a lot of my light hair comes from. My mom's side of the family is Portuguese. My grandparents were 100% Portuguese. So I am actually Portuguese. Um, oh, you see, I like that. That's awesome. But that's why I have thick ass hair, thick thighs and a big ass because my grandma did. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Uh, so I actually but I don't talk about that ever because I'm scared to death. People are going to be like, you're just trying to crave some individuality from your whiteness. You know what I mean? Oh,
0: gosh. Yeah. So
1: and I, you know, what? I'm white passing, so I don't talk about it ever. So but that's the thing. I am Portuguese. So but yeah, I, I never talk about it. <laughs>
0: Never. Just so you know, you you have a safe space talking about whatever you want to on this podcast, because anything like any time that someone listens to these, I always have like my community is filled around people who are actually individuals and they think that, oh, other people are individuals and are supposed to have their own opinions. So it's completely fine. Well, yeah, and that, that's
1: know? another thing, escaping the hive mind and allowing people to have their own individual opinions. That's the community I foster, too. And I think that's why
0: you and I get along so well. Exactly. And it's, you know, one of those things of where I will have someone new come into the community, and this actually happened a few months ago, like around the August period, of where we had a, uh, what was it, a sheep and wolf's, no, a wolf and sheep's clothing, I think that's the way the phrase goes, uh, of where they were trying to create this kind of unhealthy atmosphere and as soon as I called them out on it they were like oh you know you're hating you're doing this you're doing that I was like no I'm looking out for my community and I'm trying to make this a safe space for them because I don't want them being direct messaged and literally asked can you do ASMR for me yeah it's like it went too far this guy was literally asking people hey can you take like videos of you doing yoga or could you take like asmr videos and send them to me i was like dude this no this 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 ain't it
1: yeah you know what as as someone who used to be a cam girl I, i know the things people are doing and what people are doing is that's the thing. This is why all my DMs are closed on Twitter, and I have a business email <laughs> up because I- you get that weird stuff. For example, someone will come into my chat and go, "Can you burp for me? Can you flex your arms for me?" I'm like, "I am not God. giving you stuff to you util- you know if- stimulate your fetish." <laughs> like, I'm sorry, yeah, no. and I'm not all ASMR fetish. um I find some ASMR relaxing; it helps my anxiety. Um, but that that is too you open yourself up to that stuff and that's why one of the rules in my discord server is do not sexualize any member of my community or you will be banned
0: yeah exactly is that because that's that's actually kind of funny that you say that because i remember someone came into your stream on your birthday and tried doing that to your one friend who was on there playing the the uh what was it it wasn't the flute power you're the, playing a recorder yeah yeah and i was like bro what the hell are you doing over here Well, yeah, exactly. And I I just try
1: to facilitate a comfortable space for people. But here's the thing, too. When I facilitate a space that's open discussion, people are free thinkers, you get some bad eggs in that group. And that's what kind of went back to me setting boundaries with community members and not putting up with that stuff anymore, because that is something that happens when you facilitate a very open and loving community. You also facilitate spaces for bad eggs to be and it's kind of a game of finding out who those people are getting them out of your community and setting those boundaries so as a content creator it is so important to set your boundaries right up front and realize that you are not going to please everyone there is no point in trying at no, all not at all
0: no no And that's one thing I actually also had to learn as well to set boundaries. I closed off my DMs everywhere, uh, except for Instagram. I don't know how to close off the DMs in Instagram, but uh, I'm not really well-versed in Instagram all that much. But I closed off my DMs everywhere. I only have, like, even my business email, I had to, like, take that away from my Twitter profile because people were sending me dick pics there literally oh yeah a hundred percent so I had to close that down as well I was like you guys can just tweet at me so it's public and it's accounted for and that's what a lot of people ended up doing and it works out just fine now and there are so many people of where you have to like be comfortable enough to be a bitch you have to learn how to do that and it's unfortunate but setting those rules and setting those boundaries and having that you know kind of business bitch attitude you have to take it a lot of the time and then people will wonder why are you so mean and it's like well it's not mean it's just you you have to set boundaries
1: well yeah and there's there's a lot of female creators who are afraid to reach out to me or talk to me because they think i mean i am the nicest person in the world the reason i put out this bold the reason why sometimes I come off as a bitch is I'm protecting myself. I'm standing up for myself and I am setting boundaries and those boundaries are healthy. So it's interesting, but I have very sweet sides to me and I have sides to me where I'm not so much. And unfortunately you have to utilize all those sides of yourself within content creation to protect your mental health, to protect your community and to set boundaries. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So As of right now, we are coming close to the end of the podcast, and I wanted to end things on, like, interesting and funny note, actually. So I want to know, from your experience as a content creator, funniest story you've had as an interaction with someone?
1: Funniest story I've had is an interaction with someone hmm do you mean like someone in my chat or just overall like a funny interaction with someone like is it like are we talking bad experience or are we talking
0: like what's it, a good it, it could literally be like anything that just made you go like okay this is hilarious like this is so funny it can't be really happening right now
1: <laughs> i think one of the weirdest things i've ever found as a content creator it was recent and it's not even like that wild but i became friends with another female content creator and on my birthday it was also her birthday i found out and we we're also the exact same age and born within an hour of each other and we were like what the hell are we secretly twins that was a good one another funny moment is a content creator honestly here's one of my favorite things i love when my community gets to know me As like a klutz and a goof and all that. And we all hang out on Discord. And last week I was uh, having like a birthday party in my Discord community. And... Me and Charles, we were goofing off, and he chased me out of the kitchen back into the living room where my computer is, and I was wearing really soft socks, and I came around the corner going so fast, and I slipped and busted my ass, and I was on camera. Everyone in my community saw it, and I could hear it through my from my headphones. Everyone screaming and cry laughing at me because I just ate shit. So fucking hard. And I guess another good one is we do this thing in my Discord server where we have community bingo. And it's it's like all the spots are like Rora mentions Twitter. Someone um, someone interrupts another person. This person talks about the same thing they talk about every time. And that is so funny because one of them is someone leaves without saying they're leaving. And we were all playing. And my uh, a community member of mine goes, oh, crap. I just need one more card left. It's someone leaves unexpectedly. And they left and never came back. <laughs> they won the game. And that was probably one that. of my favorite funny moments.
0: I love that. See, I, you guys, streaming is absolutely incredible. If you can take any hate that's given to you, enjoy the good times with your community, and just learn how to be kind of like a, a basically a tough person with a good heart, yep. you're gold, okay? Yep. So I want to share my funny one because this one will always stick out to me, always and forever. So as most of you guys know who are listening to this podcast, um, I don't like Fallout 3 absolutely hated the game. I played through it. I took a very, like, technical standpoint with it because I, that's what I do. Like, I take journalism standpoints towards stuff and psychology standpoints. And there were so many bugs in the game. Um, Also, (laughs) female who also is getting into game developing right here who used to work at a game company. So that adds something else to the list of taboo things that we're not supposed to talk about. Hashtag. I digress, (laughs) but when when we are, when I was looking at the game, I was like, okay, the plot line is okay, things are going okay here, and then what happens? A racist moment, a black person gets shot, who is a police officer, within part of the game, within like the first few minutes, granted, I didn't know the cutscenes were interactable, yeah. And I didn't know I could shoot at the person who was attacking other people. I thought you had to wait until things were over there. And then someone came into my, my chat or not chat, but like the comment section of my YouTube yeah. and they were like, Oh, you shouldn't have thought into too much into this. This isn't racist and I was like, the person literally got called and what was it? Um, a knuckle dragger. Yeah. And that's a derogatory term towards a black person, which oh. should never happen in a video game.
1: I didn't know that. I'll have to look that up.
0: Yeah, and it was actually expressed to me from one of my friends, who is black, who said, oh yeah, no, this is totally a derogatory term. And one of them kept going back and forth with me, and then someone else chimed in came into my Discord and said, forget about that, she can't shoot for shit. (laughs) I was like, okay, fine, you want to see shooting? And then the final episode, I gave all headshots. Oh yeah. I was like, like, okay, fine. That's, that's cool. you want to do that? We'll play games like that. So I found it really, really funny. And then the person who said I couldn't get headshots, that was the same person who was harassing people in my community. Oh yeah, of course. And it's,
1: I can't stand on people. Like who cares if someone is playing a game a certain way? I don't understand how that impacts you whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I like to play casually. I don't like to take my game super seriously, (laughs) but if I want to play well, I can. So (laughs) Also I just looked up that term On urban dictionary I I know what it means Now so I'm educated
0: See and that's the thing too I wouldn't have even known Yeah and and it's so funny To me too because that same person kept coming back And be like but you hate fallout What's wrong with fallout I was like People are allowed to not like certain games. That game for me, it was just riddled with bugs. It did not age well. There's racism. Like there, people who are Chinese in that game, they didn't even get a Chinese voiceover actor. They just like mumbled things that are derogatory Chinese things. Oh my in, god! In their speech, and if you play Fallout Three, like it, oh my god, you're going to see a lot of this stuff happen because the game came out, I believe, 2008. I will give credit where credit is due it is one of the first of its kind in an open world experience that has that kind of survival mechanism which i like yeah. but it does so much wrong that it goes across the board as something of where it i don't know it's it's borderline offensive a lot of the time but i think a lot of people like it because of the nostalgia whenever they played it
1: yeah well in I just looked on my Steam, by the way, I have, uh, I have Fallout 3.
0: I I I've <laughs>
1: never played it. I have it, though. So maybe that's something I'll get into and try just to kind of, I want to get it more into gaming and different games. And I've been so selective of the games I play. It's kind of like you have your favorite music playlist, and sometimes you just want to listen to that playlist because it's comfortable for you. And it's the same with games for me. So maybe that's something I'll branch out and learn on more about. But yeah, and I, I've heard good things about Fallout. I've also heard not good things. Apparently, New Vegas isn't the greatest. That's... no, all.
0: Nope. It's it's not. I, I even tried playing Fallout 4 because I really wanted to give it a chance. I wanted to like it. I couldn't do it as kind of like a clap back into all the people who were like, Ariel, you're really gonna like this game, and I ended up didn't. Or not like it. Ariel, you can English today, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ended up on the very last episode of my playthrough on YouTube because if you ever want to see it, by the way, not so subtle plug over here, you can check right. out my youtube as well where on the very last episode in the video i uninstalled the game because i was like this can't ah. hurt me anymore this, <laughs> this is this this is gone forever from my xbox it is over because any anytime someone would bring up fallout 3 i would just roll my eyes and be like you don't want to know my actual opinions because you'll get butt hurt like the rest of them <laughs>
1: <laughs> what is your youtube like um at because i'm uh i'm t- i'm gonna type it in and find you uh sub to you right now huggable hipster that's, oh so you have it uh the same way everywhere i do yes that's smart see, that's see another, you
0: guys? smart marketing
1: it well it is um that's that's very important um you gotta have the same name in all of your social media so people can find you everywhere oh i see your youtube yeah you you're very active on there oh i love the way it's set up beautiful marketing thank this, you full circle full circle
0: i'm Joe yeah i mean like i for this month i post every day because i do gaming and i'm doing vlogmas too
1: okay ah, uh, you're doing vlogmas yes. yeah yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> i was like you know what? what's so funny about it is that people are like wait a like if you're an atheist who's doing vlogmas what is this i was like yeah i know bro
1: whatever you can participate in that kind of stuff and you don't have to have any religious affiliations you can exactly. just do it if you want to do it
0: also, side note, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you guys need to play this game. I am almost done with the playthrough and it is, it, it, I've never played Assassin's Creed before. This is my first experience with it. It's amazing.
1: I was debating on getting that game. That's a, And I'm so outdoorsy. I love like the outdoorscapes and games like that. And that game, weirdly enough, looks like where I live. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's minus mountains. So you- that's something I kind of want to check out. So I like that recommendation from you you could also pet the
0: dogs too you could also
1: pet the dogs they got major points putting in able to pet the dog
0: i pet the dog twice i squealed on camera i actually put it as a clip on my twitter of where you can pet the dogs and i just literally screamed i was so happy (laughs) (laughs) well it's a big deal you can never pet the dog No, you can't. And you can do the same in Red Dead Redemption 2. That was actually, whenever you said, you know, about getting out of your comfort zone with games, I can so relate to that because I actually got out of my comfort zone whenever someone gifted Red Dead Redemption 2 to me because they were like, I really want to see you play that game. And I was like, oh, I never played this kind of game before. And I loved it. It's one of my favorite games now. And it's such a tearjerker because the horse, I got so attached to the horse and I named her little Nene. (laughs) i was like she's gonna be throwing the best rap since 1992 (laughs) oh
1: no well and i've never played that game that's a game i have wanted though and that i'm interested in but i've never played people are like it's like western gta but i don't know if that's a fair assumption
0: no no my god no the story is not gta at all it's actually good um sorry not sorry but gta is terrible and there's no storyline at all whatsoever in gta i agree I agree. It's not really a storyline. It's here's this thing that happens. Go do this. Go shoot this person. Like, that's... Exactly. Exactly. Like, oh, you want to be able to slap a hooker? You can. You want to yep. be able to steal money from her? You can. And I'm just like, what? How? what? Okay. Alright. That's cool. I just ran over a hooker, stole her money, and killed yep. her. That's wonderful. Yep. Exactly. It's like... It, it, I don't know. I like playing GTA
1: just to, like, drive around in fast cars and shoot stuff, but... Yeah, I'm on... um i'm on steam looking at red dead right now i'm putting uh putting it on my wish list
0: i have so many games on my wish list currently i have visage on there i have little misfortune i have uh what is it zero what is it uh horizon zero dawn i am so looking forward to like all of these different times fall guys i have that on my wish list i don't know why i do i never got into the fall guy hype for some reason (laughs)
1: Well, I, I, here's the weird thing. I did, I got into it late. And then one night, a community member of mine bought me Fall Guys. And then what happened is I never ended up playing it. No one ever asked me to play. And now it's not a popular game anymore. <laughs> it's kind of uh, tanked in popularity, weirdly enough. It was hot for a minute,
0: and now it's not. I'm more into, like, the community type games, I'm more into, like, Phasmophobia and Among Us because I ended up caving and getting Phasmo, but I was gifted Among Us. And one thing I never realized, you guys, if you actually have, like, a really good community that wants to see you succeed, it's the best thing ever because this year was the first year that I was really ever gifted games by community members. And I was gifted games before for my YouTube channel, but I've been gifted over, like, I think 30, 35 games for this year alone on Steam, and I was like, "What? What in the heck is happening?" Like, I almost cried on stream because I was like, "I was gifted a game that I really wanted to play." Uh, Don't Starve. Yeah. And I was and remothered. And I was like, "But, but th- 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 this costs money. Why are you doing this?" Imposter syndrome is setting in. <sighs>
1: i'm that way too i still get weird when people gift me things because i don't know how to accept kindness although i appreciate it and um here's a thing that happens to content creators and this is kind of sort of on topic for the podcast i know we're coming to a close but um one thing that happens to female content creators and probably male content creators too a lot is you're gifted a game and then the person you feel obligated to play it with that person or the person only gives you that game so you play it with them and then they pressure pressure you to play with them. And that's something that made me feel stressed out and pressure over. Um, And if you want to gift a creator a game so that they play the game with you, I would ask them if they want it first before doing it because it's hard to find time as a content creator and the pressure to game with people or have people game with you just because you know they bought you something in the guilt involved with someone buying you something is very hard but that that's happened to me quite a few times where someone gifts me a game that i didn't even ask for and they're like when are you gonna play it with me and i'm like you should ask permission before you do that that's exactly
0: Exactly. And you know what, while the gesture is sweet, while it's, you know, well intended, I feel as if they don't kind of, I don't know if this is the right word to use, but read the room in a way of where they, you don't like, they will probably know if you don't want the game or anything like that. I feel like they're just making an assumption based on the fact that you're a streamer and they think that you might stream anything. Well, yeah, that's it. That's it too, right? Like if so,
1: if you're gifting someone a game and you have no expectations in return, Fine, gift them the game. But uh, all I'm saying is, if you're going to be kind to a content creator, don't assume you're going to get anything in return, whether that be them spending time with you
0: or gaming or anything. If you're going to be kind, do it to be kind. That's it. On Patreon, there was one person who, like, thought that I would, like, send pictures to them and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I post early articles on my Patreon, and I post my photography on Patreon and everything, because someone was like, you should make that into a tier. I was like, don't ever expect anything from anybody in return if they don't do that sort of content. I'm not saying that, oh, you know, you shouldn't do it if that's the kind of content that you do, but it's it it, kind of gets to, like, a gray area, right, of where, like, you don't want to let people down, but you also don't want to just, you know, succumb to that kind of thing.
1: Exactly. And those are weird gray areas that I think need to be talked about more, which is why, you know, you do podcasts and that's, you you know, you're discussing these things and people can educate themselves. And it, it's, a, it's a very good thing. You know, what you're doing here with this podcast is a good thing. And it's going to teach a lot of people things about content creation that they didn't know. A lot of the stuff that I talk about and I'm sure you talk about is stuff that's not really said or talked about. So it's good and a healthy thing to do
0: yeah and I, I appreciate that because you know sometimes it's it's not the easiest thing to to put yourself out there a lot of the time, but I feel like any like like you like a lot of content creators who really value their audience and value what they've been given to an extent, they want to be able to give back something of value
1: exactly. And you know, I can't give back in a monetary fashion yet, but I can give back to people in a way that I have people tell me all the time I make their life better. They're going through a hard time and just seeing me handle things in a certain way or me talk about my mental health has helped them. And that is right there payment for everything I've done. And hearing that motivates me to keep going.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But. On the last note of the podcast, since we are running out of time for today, I'm going to give uh, Miss Roar some lovely game recommendations, because I feel as if now that you're getting back into gaming, I feel like you need to, like, you know, add to your collection little by little, and who knows, you know, you might get something in your Steam later on today, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but one, one of my first recommendations is the Blood Rain Terminal Cut because that is a classic. I remember trying to play that when I was a kid and I couldn't because my mom was like, You're not fighting Nazi zombies anytime right now. You're 10. So, <laughs> what I would recommend is getting the Blood Rain Terminal Cut. It's a fantastic game. Blood Rain is a classic. It's one of those kind of like OG vampire games, like Castlevania, but it's not a side scrolling game, it's like a full on third person type game.
1: Ooh, cool! That actually does sound interesting. I am—I'm actually opening a note document right now and writing down these recommendations.
0: Oh, okay, all right, all right, very cool. The next one I would recommend is Franbo. It Fran- is Fran-Bow? one of uh, Fran Franbo. F R A N B O W. Okay. And lastly, for my third recommendation, even though I actually have a review of this on my YouTube channel, like a very like a very down-the-middle review that it does need work, but it's a wonderful story that needs to be more, I don't know, it be, needs to be more worked on, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. Okay. And it's actually coming out with a second game this upcoming year. So they're continuing the story. The graphics look incredible with the upcoming story. I would recommend getting the patch for it if your computer can handle it, because it, it, it just needs the patch.
1: Okay, fair. I have all these written down. They're in a note document, and I'll check them out later. I'm always like, you know when you don't just get in that mood, and you're like, I want a new game. I need exactly. something. You know, so that that's now on that list, and I'll check them out. And are they on Steam?
0: Yes, they are on Steam. And also something that's free is the demo of Little Nightmares 2 just dropped for anybody who wants to play it. Um, Little Nightmares ended up liking the tweet that I posted about it. And I was like, "Um, what should I do with this information right now? I kind of feel like I did not expect this. But thank you so much for noticing me, Senpai. (laughs)
1: Yeah, there was a creator of uh, I I did that video on Twitter about girl gaming and girls and like stuff. And I commented underneath it that i love the long dark it's a survival game and the creator of the game thanked me underneath oh and i was like
0: (gasps) well thank you i guess thanks for noticing (laughs) that's amazing i love that so Mm -hmm. much (laughs) But thank you so much, Rora, for coming on this podcast. It really was so much fun getting to do this. I feel like the interaction that we had on here will definitely kind of resonate with someone because anybody who just wants to literally even start a business or start a Twitch you know, channel or a YouTube channel, I feel like they now are a little bit more prepared with the truth that we have delivered them.
1: Absolutely. If you arm yourself with this information going forward, it's going to help you for sure.
0: Absolutely. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And for those of you who are seeing this on YouTube and not on Spotify, please be sure to check the links down below for the Spotify link so you can see this on there as well. And if you guys like my face and what I do, please be sure to subscribe. Hit that bell down below because I make videos every day for this month. And my normal schedule is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And stay casually nerdy. I will see you all in the next podcast and video. Peace, you guys.